Thank you for tuning in to Sales and Enablement, the podcast. This week, Kate Lewis joins Crystal and Dan on the pod. Kate is the CEO and co-founder of E4Enable, and in this episode, we talk about how to align enablement efforts with sales performance metrics, how to get buy-in from stakeholders, and the impact of a soon-to-be shrunken tech stack. Sit back and enjoy this week's episode, our 30th. Hey everybody, this is Dan Reynolds, the co-host of Sales and Enablement, the podcast. I'm the sales side of things. And by the way, before I kick it over to Crystal, today's a very special episode for a couple of reasons. The first one, this is episode number 30. Oh. So, big clap for Crystal and Dan. <laughs> so Crystal, anyway, I'm the sales side. What the heck are you doing here? I am the, I would say the more important half, even Dan, the enablement <laughs> side of the podcast. But I do love your thoughts and insights, Dan, on, on this show. Glad. Thanks, Kristen. But we do have an amazing guest, one that I've wanted to have on for a while now. We're connected in a couple of different ways, but I will let her introduce herself. Thanks, Crystal. I'm Kate Lewis, and I feel like I've got a foot in both of your camps, actually. So, dependent on which way the wind is blowing, I'm either in sales or I'm in enablement, but have been for a very long time. So, I'm really excited to be on the podcast today. I'm the CEO and co-founder of E4Enable. I'm excited to, to delve into things today with you guys. Wonderful. This is awesome because this is like obviously right up my alley, not even in, in terms of, yes, I, enablement is responsible for these things, but the topic that we're going to dig into today is one of my favorite pillars of enablement. It's a, it's an opportunity to make somebody better. Right. And, uh, with that, Kate, I think, especially over the last year, We've really seen an increase in enablement, trying to really align our efforts with sales performance, right? And I hear a lot of enablers who aren't sure how to do that. They're, I talk to them every week and even some of the more experienced ones aren't sure exactly how to do it. So just high level. What would you say to somebody who's like, how do I do that? Or where, where, where should I start? Yeah, great, great question. And a question we get asked a lot. I like to start at the end. So if you're going to get real alignment in sales, so I'm going to put my foot in the sales side here and be a sales for a second. Thanks, when we're Kate. in sales, we're driven. You're all right, Dan, don't worry. I've got you back. When we're in sales, we're driven by numbers. We have got a goal. From the day we start our jobs, we have a goal to reach. Every year, every month, every quarter, that goal resets. Every week, if you're perhaps an SDR. But we're driven by a goal, and that goal is either revenue or it's meetings or it's opportunities, but it's metric. So the first thing that we need to do to create alignment is walk a minute in those shoes and understand what the end game that we're all trying to reach is. So the place we start is at the end, right? Which is what is it that you want to get to? And I like a visualization exercise. Like you're standing up, you're either hit president's club or you're standing in front of the board and you're presenting your numbers and you've smashed it. You're like, 
you've nailed this year. It's amazing. What does that look like? What are your three things on that slide? We've, we've hit our revenue. We've overachieved on our revenue target. We've now got 80% of our revenues coming from subscription sales. And we've got most of our businesses in net new logos. Great. Okay. So that's the place I want to start. The challenge with enablement is that's really far away. And we only know we're there when we get there. And it's really hard to necessarily connect those dots. So that's what we start walking back. I don't know. People who listen to this just on Spotify aren't seeing the great movements I'm making, but I'm walking backwards right now. You're fine. <laughs> there's, video, there's video on Spotify now. Okay. So there's video okay. now. They'll see backwards. it. They're going to see everything. <laughs> you have to be like, right, so I'm walking backwards. And then I'm going to go, right. So if that's where you've got to get to. What's the stuff that like a month from now, a quarter from now, yeah, I'm going to feel really warm and fuzzy about. So it's going to be, growth it's going to be conversions it's going to be we're starting to get more activity in net new logos we're starting to see more of our pipeline represented from those SaaS subscription revenues than our traditional business that's going to give us that sort of the flame that we're going to get there and the impetus so that starts getting to the bit that we can from enablement perspective really keep an really buy into but that's still not something we can influence in enablement that still feels really far away the old adage of just go do more this doesn't work yeah we need to take we need to take that final step backwards and i'm doing more step backwards in my video here but we need to take that final step and that's taking each of those things and saying what are the skills what are the behaviors what are the processes what's the knowledge the mindset that will impact that outcome. So yeah. we just take each of those things and we break it down. And that's where enablement can really get alignment and really get the biggest impact. You just, you just described the first stages of the sales process, by the way, you know, and we're trying to like align the value and the outcomes for the prospect. Yeah. So what will make this look successful for you at the and then but what's backwards. the bit that we yeah, what's the bit that we're gonna get involved in? Nice walking back because yeah. time. Yeah, what's the bit we're gonna evolve in it? And it's really funny you say that. I'm gonna go off on tangent here because it's really funny. So much of what we do in enablement and from a leadership perspective actually is stuff we're taught to do from a sales perspective, even problem discovery, right? Coaching is pretty much problem discovery. It's going, what where's your biggest challenge? And then trying to find out how I can help solve that. But that that that's a whole different conversation. But yeah. So from enablement, but what you end up with there is this map. You end up with a lovely map that tells you, I've now got something we can all buy into. We're all singing from the same hymn sheet. We all know the direction of travel. We know where we are and we know we, what we've got to do to get there. And that is particularly when we're under pressure. That's a really great supporting foundation to start from. I love that. Okay. I hear you sometimes talking about sales measures is this what you're is this what how would you how you would describe sales measures yeah so i think what in terms of measuring sales enablement and sales measures yeah it differs i'd say 80 percent of it's the same for most organizations they'll differ dependent on what your end goal is right what your specific measures are but measurement needs to be relevant and contextual right 
It can't just be for the sake of measurements, but it forms two purposes for me, measurement. It gives you direction in the first place. So it helps you understand where your gaps are, because once you've established all those measures, that's just your first step. Now it's right. Where am I? Where are my gaps? Where do I need to focus? Where do we need to improve? So that's that first part of the journey. But the flip side of that, which is something that is just so hot right now, is what's working, proving the value, saying, I know that we did all of this brilliant enablement stuff and I can absolutely nail it on what value I've driven. Not in views and lovely feedback forms saying our training or our enablement was great in actual measurable. Here's where I impacted sales results. Here's where I made difference to that revenue number at the end of the year. And as standing in front of the board with those three points. So I think it's got those two elements and that's why it's so important. Completely agree. I think before I started at UserZoom, I think a huge gap where I, what I was seeing, not only in my own work, but in also in other enablement teams is really that alignment between those competencies that you were talking about to business outcomes and that having that competency driven coaching to um, improve performance for skills, right? Fine. What is a skill? What is a behavior? How? And that's what you want to impact, right? Because, and then another piece to that, uh, and I'll ask you about this. So how would someone, let's say they, they're in this stage and they've listed some competencies, right? The tough part to do also is to align those competencies to those specific metrics. So how can someone who's doing that, what kinds of things do they want to think about or how do they want to start that alignment? Great question. So I will actually defer a little bit to Dan on this. So I'm going to bring you down, make you work, Dan, come on. When you walk out of a meeting, right? So let's take the metric conversion ratio of meeting into opportunity, right? A sales meeting. What are the things, if you've observed a meeting, you've had a meeting and you think that is definitely 100% going to be an off. Why? I what mean, are the, the first things you've thing observed is, or done? Yeah. yeah the thing that, I, that definitely that I would have done is a clear next step. Yeah. Like for sure, if there's no clear next step, then there's no there's no off. Um, I think the other thing would be to obviously identify the problem. And I know it sounds a little bit cliche and it's not it's, a problem. But it, it, excuse me, I think like it, it just depends what type of call it is, right? Is it, was it an outbound? Was it somebody with no idea what you do? Is it somebody on an inbound that maybe is 50% of the way on their journey? To buy. So I guess a lot of it is perspective, but just, I would say those are the two things for sure that I would say confident that this is an op, a problem Brilliant. that they would, a problem that's been identified and, and, and a clear next step. Brilliant. Brilliant. So that's how we make that connection, right? So Dan just literally has, has created a visual experiential kind of connection between the outcome they're looking for and the inputs that actually will drive that outcome. And that's where you get 
even more alignment with sales. What is it that, that we're going to do? You're going to have some people that say, look, I know I've nailed it when I've got engagement from the decision maker in the room. Okay, so we're talking about decision maker or C-level engagement. That's a really good factor. I know it's going to be a really good outcome when I've delved into the pain, like Dan said. I know it's going to be a really good outcome when I've got more than one person in the room because I've done multi-threading throughout it and they're all there. I know it's going to be because I've been able to link it back to financial measures for my client. That's the beginning of your competency framework, right? That's beginning of understanding the skills and behaviors and the connection to those skills and behaviors that drive that outcome. And you're absolutely right, Dan. It depends on what a situation it is. So if you're an inbound SDR, you're going to have different things. It's going to be about more qualification, finding out where they are in their buying journey. Great. Okay. So we've now got qualification and understanding the buying journey that's key for them versus outbound, which might be more about perseverance, resilience, getting the process right, being able to articulate our proposition really quickly. Those are the things that are going to help me get get better at that. But that's the way I would do it, Crystal. It's just is taking it to that that really pragmatic level of saying what actually impacts that. Imagine a, a scenario where it's going brilliantly. What were you doing? What was impacting it? I love that. It's it's I'm the same. My brain works the same way in the sense that go straight to the reps um, in so many situations. I'm like, hey, how does this sound to you? Or what would you do here? Or look at this. I'd love to get their eyes on things that I'm creating just because their eyes are all that matter. And so yeah. it, no, it's perfect. perfect. Something you said, though, their eyes is all that matters. So language and context really matters in that. When you're thinking about adoption, Lots of people come to and say, have you got a competency framework that, that we can use? And yeah, we have. And it's a great starting point. But you have to use your own language. You can't go in there, say, engagement of the buying center, because that just sounds really a bit frozen. You need to be able to go, what would you call it? It's getting really clear feedback from my decision makers in the room. Okay, it's a bit wordy, perhaps, but... <laughs> That language matters. Use the methodology, the language of the methodology that you're applying. Use the way that they describe it and you'll get way more adoption and kind of connection from your salespeople in, into that whole. And it has to be specific. That's to speak the language of some, an inbound as opposed to an outbound or mid-market versus enterprise. Because if you don't, if you aren't specific, then we know that it's a one, you're trying to do us with a one size fits all and you're not speaking by language. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why that, that starting at the end game for every organization, which is where do you want to be? What's important to you will change all of the things that come behind that. And I say, if you're looking to move into the enterprise space or you're looking to move into mid market or you decided to start an SME offering, that changes the entire cascade of what we're going to measure, what skills we need to nurture to move into that space, all of it. And so that's why that, as you say, context matters. The language matters. That situation matters. I'm looking at your LinkedIn profile, Kate, and I'm, I've got a question not related to the conversation that we're having now. 
I see you're, you're living in the Manchester area. Yeah. The blue side or the red side? Oh, I'm no side, but my no, son, yeah, my youngest yeah. son is Man City, so he's a blue. Yes. So, yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> most of my family are Liverpool. Yeah, uh, I saw you're from that side. Yeah, but yeah, my youngest son is definitely a City fan. Great. Good news. We can continue now. <laughs> so go ahead. Next question. <laughs> yeah. Don't talk to don't talk to the the American who loves American football about all that stuff. I'm completely lost. Oh, you American? Yeah, let's get it straight here. I'm actually Canadian, and my dad's from Manchester. Yeah, you and, are, and you're the American. I also love American football. That's yeah, over. I know he does love American. Wrong, yeah. Okay. You know anything about rough. American football, Kate? Say again. You know anything about American football? No, no, not really. I think the broadly the whole football topic, the length I would go to is like anything on TV, Ted Lasso, massive fan of Ted Lasso, which is seeing the American coming into that world. Other than that, yeah, I'm okay. more yeah. of a hey. stick some music on and get distracted away from the shouts in the living room and the TV. The new season's coming up. The new season of Ted Lasso's coming up. I know. I'm so excited for that. It's like my favorite thing. I resisted yeah. for so long because I was like, I don't want to watch a football. <laughs> no, I love it. I'm such a big fan. He's fantastic. He's talk about seeing somebody's coaching ability. I know. Getting into the mindset of people and understanding the impact of mindset on performance. It's, it, you should write the book on it. It's brilliant. <laughs> Ted Lasso. But anyhow, Keith, let's, yeah, as Dan said, let's put the football thing aside. I all, I have definitely thought about all of these things that we've been talking about. I've done a lot of these things that, that we're talking about. And I'm sure Dan has experienced seeing some type of competency and it's, that is tied to a metric and we talked about this with other guests too, but now that you've got everything that you need, sometimes the hardest part is the, is operationalizing it, right? And making sure that all of the stakeholders are bought in, that they're ready to go and they, they, you get them to add some insights maybe. Where does that start? How do you operationalize all of them? I think your number one thing that you need to do, particularly when you've got sales leaders in mind and sales reps, is just is make it easy. Too often, it's what we do, right? So I'm biased, but too often people come to us say, we're, we're juggling multiple spreadsheets. We're trying to work with RevOps to get some data out of Salesforce. And we're in a queue because that's really busy. We're trying to do it a review against the competencies with the team and I'm spending all my time chasing sales leaders and sales reps to fill it out. All of that just weighs it down and makes it harder. So the more simple you can make it so that it's instantly available, it's really easy to interpret and see that the more you are likely to be able to use it operationally, right? So have it visible, get your dashboards ready. 
the visibility for every sales rep. Where am I on those competencies? What impact is that having on my results? Where should I focus? Where am I benchmarked against everybody else to help guide me to that next step in our coaching conversation? For enablement, being able to see it at a macro level, but then be able to drill down to a micro level so that you can really get a real laser focus. Just make it easy. And I'd say I'm biased because that's the problem we solve, but that otherwise it just drags you and you become admin and a slave to admin. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure Dan can relate. Sales, even at the AE level, they're, get, they're inundated with not only some admin work, but having so many different tools and sales leaders are like choking on tools, right? And yeah. it's, what do you, you know, what do you do with all of this stuff? How do you, how do you simplify it? That's a question I find myself asking all the time. Um, and E for enable, it is one of those tools that is super simple. So I, I completely understand where you're coming from on that. I think we've definitely got to a stage within the sales environment where you can't see the wood for the trees. But you don't know whether or not it's sales loss that's doing something. Is it your conversational analytics that's doing it? Is it your sales force? Is it your, the training that you had last week? Is it, and it's just, there's just so much noise that you need to be able to filter that back down. Look at it through a lens. Now, for me, the sales competency framework is the lens that I filter all of that through and that we filter all that through. But it, it still is able to say, what are the biggest levers for change? What are the biggest levers for performance improvement and impact can I have without having all that noise all the way around? So yeah, simplify it, get it all into one place. Great. Yeah, I think what's interesting is I think for sure, as we know that most tech stacks are bloated and in the next six months, like almost every company is going to start dropping some. I think to your point about things getting simpler, I think as they get sim like what we can look forward to, and I know not too many people are saying that right now, but I think what we can look forward to is exactly what you said, things getting simpler. From, at least I'm talking from with my the salesperson. There's way too much tech involved. Like it's become way too complicated. And I think that for sure we can look forward to things getting simpler and making more sense as a result and really focusing on competency and getting better as opposed mm -hmm. to figuring out how to work the system. Like literally yeah. how to work the system. Like yeah. what ha what has gone on? What on what the heck happened the last yeah. few years? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Is it because we dialed this up? Is it because we dialed that down? Is it and I say there's not enough of that looking and saying, what are the things our high performers are doing? Because what I find miraculous when we look at some of this data is that the highest performers in your organization aren't always doing the things that you think they're doing. That's not the things that are actually driving their performance. And it, it is interesting um, seeing Mark Benoff come out from Salesforce and say 50%, you know, um, their sales team were driving 96% of revenues. Now that's not the unusual bit, right? Because the 80-20 rule has been around for a very long time. What is unusual is the fact that he didn't know what was causing that 50% to not perform and that's that's crazy to me because if you can't dilute and diagnose and look at that data and say 
I can pinpoint where we've got gaps. I can pinpoint where we've got productivity issues. I can pinpoint why, and I can do something about it. Well, yeah. Again, like I think this is, you're going to have to be on the top echelon to continue a career like in tech right now, if you're in tech and you're listening to this. But if you are speaking it out, I think it's, everybody's going to be much stronger on the other side. To your point, like with the Salesforce deal, like they were just, part of it was, I think the system of growth and just, I think there's, I used to talk about prices law all the time, and it was the same sort of thing that the square root of the number of sales reps is where you always are going to get the majority of your production. So when you're actually thinking about growing a team, you should look at what the top performers are doing and try to replicate that, not just bring on more people onto the sales floor that are going to fall below that line. And I think what's happened is that was just ignored for growth. And we're, and here we are today, the growth stopped and all of a sudden, even Benioff uncovers this thing that's obvious, like. How did you not see that? How did you not know that? Yes, it's always been there, but now it's like in the face. So it's super interesting. Yeah, I was just talking to Mike Kunkel on this exact topic. Actually, we were just having a catch up and saying, and Felix as well, top performer analysis shouldn't just be about what numbers they're doing. And it's what's behind that. What are they doing? Who are they? What are they? What skills are they strong in? What behaviors are they exhibiting? What processes are they strong in? That's driving their performance. Now let's apply our efforts to the other 50% to get them the right motion and the right movement in those areas, because we've now got a really clear picture of what drives performance in our organization. Yeah. I think it's even more, it's even become more problematic with remote and hybrid work Mm -hmm. because it used to be, I could listen like top sales rep was on the other side of the desk for me. I could listen in, I could watch and I could see the behaviors and I could feel that, but that's gone. So yeah. If, yeah. So that. I've got one other question and this may be like, honestly, a whole other topic that we would want to dig into, but I know that in the sales world, enablement, how it works, whatever view you're looking, looking at it from, how is there a way or how should someone think about you? Because you said something a little bit ago about coaching to, or to like top performers, what are they doing? And sometimes some people have an idea of what those top performers are doing. Are there leaders? And some leaders don't, right? They're like, yeah, this isn't, I'm not sure how you, how you bottle this up and how you disseminate it across the entire org. So that got me thinking sometimes that there is some coaching that's, that could be happening where one sales leader may have 10 years under their belt. So they're really going to be amazing at coaching to those competencies versus another newer sales leader. Maybe they have a year under their belt. So they might coach in a different way to those same competencies. Just high level, what, is there anything you can do about that? And where do you start? What do you do? Yeah. Okay. So the first thing I would do is get a consistent view of what great leadership looks like. So when people are talking about competencies, 
they automatically go to what the sales rep should be doing. I think there absolutely is a need to get that manager layer right. What do we expect? So it solves the problem where you've got some managers not coaching at all or going about it their own way. Some, if you're calling it out and saying, this is the expectation, then that solves that first problem. I think, I think there's a definite benefit to, to peer coaching and peer learning and enablement getting involved in that environment and seeing where there are gaps so that you can start doing manager enablement. How can I help that manager be better? How can we coach that manager or have another manager coach them on how they're coaching their team? So you've got that sort of surrounded learner or surrounded coach environment that, that they can apply to it. But it, it starts by identifying it in the first place and then being able to apply targeted support and coaching where it's needed. My final point of that is top down. Yeah. And it, it's the same with training or anything. And you get someone saying, we've got to get a coaching program or we've got to get a training program. And then the senior leadership don't attend or don't get involved in it. And it's, that's just failure 101. If you're on the receiving end from your boss of good coaching, then it doesn't matter if you're not really experienced in that particular competency that you can apply really good coaching to the individuals in your team. It doesn't matter that I don't understand your market or your industry because I'm a brand new manager into the business. If I can coach, then that's a universal skill. And I think being on the receiving end of it gives you a massive leap forward in order to deliver it down to your team. I agree with everything you said. I think it's funny, I had posted about this the other day, but enabling the sales leaders is so critical. And I think, and it's a misstep a lot. It, just for some reason, it's like sales reps are, I shouldn't say some reason, it's understandable. Sales reps are always enabled first. And then it's, oh, wait, the people who are supposed to be coaching them, they, <laughs> this isn't looking good. <laughs> what are we? Yeah, the, there's a reason on an airplane, right? When they're taking off and they're doing their safety announcement, they say, if the air masks come down, put your own on first, because if you don't have your own on, you can't help others. And that's a really good adage to kind of leaders being supported first because they are both your, your biggest untapped resource, but also the biggest risk in your organization. Work with them, give them a chance to shine, but yet manager enablement, 100%, give them the tools, give them the information, give them the skill set in order to shine. Yeah, for sure. Great, great. So we just got a couple minutes left here. I want to hear about E4 Enable. Right. Thank you. E for Enable is essentially everything I've just talked about in a little box. Again, hand gestures there were really important. So we're a sales competency intelligence platform, right? So we take all of that data um, from across your tech stack. We align it to the competencies that matter and going to drive performance and enable you to identify gaps where you can laser focus to, to improve outcomes and then measure that improvement so that you can keep iterating through that continual process. So taking away all that noise, enabling you to see exactly where you can focus to, to improve performance, drive towards those revenue goals. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> Crystal, you're using it. Yeah. Yeah. We use it for enable. I think my, the integration with Salesforce, they have an integration with Salesforce. 
which is awesome to have. And, and when you can filter it by time frame and just taking a, a broader look at the all of last year or was this last quarter? And then seeing your competencies and the, I will say that not necessarily with the tool, but with the process that the most challenging piece is the upfront work, right? What competencies do we even want for our organization? But that took some time, but that wasn't even, it wasn't part of the platform. It's just the process. And then the second thing that I would say is getting sales leaders' minds wrapped around coaching to competencies. Because we know every sales leader wants to walk into a room with an AE and be like, let's talk about your pipeline or let's talk let's talk about that deal or that's where it ends up going. But when you can really get them to wrap their heads around, when you walk into a room and do a one-to-one with an AE or any sales rep, your SDRs, BDRs, you need to coach through these competencies because these competencies um, and each AE is going to be different, right? Each seller is going to be different in terms yeah. of what competencies they're being coached on. E for Enable is able to show you the five competencies and where the rep falls in on, on those competencies. I think it's five or six, Kate. I can't remember, but you know, when you can look testing at it. Testing me now. You're testing me now. <laughs> what did you say? I said, you're testing me now. I can't remember if it's five or six. Sales leader can walk into a one-to-one with and be like, hey, let's focus on this one. Let's focus on this top one. If you wanted to focus on one or two. Yeah. So that's probably an- another challenging piece is just getting sales leaders' minds wrapped around it. But yeah, it's so incredibly helpful once you get that, your process and you build out that competency framework and then boom, e for enable is what operationalizes it. So it's pretty amazing. Cool. Thanks, Crystal. Yeah, of course. Great. Great. So I think we're just about done. This was episode number 30, Crystal. How about that? Can't believe it. We need to get someone to throw parties for us and stuff when we do kind of stuff like this. Find out like yeah. a pipe man on our podcast, maybe. I don't know. It's a big birthday, guys. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So Dan. Yeah, thank you. And yeah, thank you, Kate, for joining us on this special occasion. We really appreciate you sharing your time with us today. I'm assuming everybody can find you on LinkedIn. Yep. I'm there pretty often. (laughs) We see you. Great. Thank you again for your time. Crystal, any last words? No, no last words. Keep an eye out for Ted Lasso, everybody. (laughs) Yeah, it's coming up soon. So if you're still listening, you made it to the end of another episode. Thank you for tuning in and we will see you next week. Bye.